What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Quinn. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. In other news, the Zips losing streak has continued. Just had to be against the electric chickens, didn't it? In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. (laughs) Have you ever tried DMT? (laughs) And of course, the hottest takes. I want Baker Mayfield because he solidifies what Cleveland is. It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? I woke up feeling dangerous. You know, bro. Hard run pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. The best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be is back in your life. It is Sunday, which means it is time for Sports Power Talk. This is the first SPT of the month. As it is March 5th already, my name is Jake Murrin, and I am back as your host. Joining me today are my analyst, Logan Congro. How's it going? And Alex Henry. Good morning, everyone. We have a stacked show for you all today as we had a wild week in sports. We'll discuss the Zips basketball team as they prepare for the MAC tournament this week. And we'll hear from stars Enrique Freeman and Ali Ali. So stay tuned for them. Also, we'll get into the Cavs' recent struggles, the MLB lockout, the NFL, and much, much more. But... We will kick this rendition of SPT off with UFC 272. I'm not the happiest about this uh, pay-per-view last night with UFC. I know, Alex, you're you're smiling over there. You are. But first, before we get into the five-fight main card, let's talk about some prelim fights that went down. Two ones that come right off the bat for me. First, it was Umar Nurmagomedov. He had the first-round submission over Brian Kelleher. He improved to 14-0 and... Nurmagomedovs just don't lose. Do they? No. No, they don't. Great yeah. performance. If you have that last name, you're just not going to lose. You're a winner. You're, exactly. I'm gonna, I don't even need to know who you are. I'm going to pick you to win. Even though you didn't a little bit ago. Saeed yeah. Nurmagomedov, that I got is, that pick over you. That is true. I did not pick Saeed. I mean, I got I to gotta brag a little bit because soon you're Yeah, I guess he's going to have to bring that up. I mean, you're going to bring up a lot of stuff on here, <laughs> yeah. so I got to get my shots in when I can take them. Right, um, I'll go to you, Logan. Can you pronounce the last name Nurmagomedov? Give it a shot, maybe. Ooh. Uh, it's a tough one. It's kind of second nature <laughs> to me now because I've had to say it so many times. Repeat it one more time. So it's Nurmagomedov. I don't know if you know who Khabib Nurmagomedov Yeah. Wow. Now I'm stumbling on it. Khabib Nurmagomedov mm-hmm. is. Um, it's same last name, Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov. Medal. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, it's not too bad, but Umar, first round submission, um, just an insane performance, and we'll see where he goes in the UFC. And then also the um, the last prelim of the night between Jalen Turner and Jamie Malarkey. Jalen Turner has some knockout power, man. Second round KO 
over Malarkey, who I thought was going to win. Just that pinpoint accuracy and combinations and potentially the brightest lightweight prospect in the UFC. Do you guys have anything on Turner over Malarkey? Uh, no, that was a crazy fight, though. But It was I, crazy. I um, I did not. Uh, I also thought Malarkey had it, so... Malarkey's been an underdog in many of his fights, and he's always come out on top. And he was an underdog in this one, too. That's why I thought he would win. Um, that's like his skill set, but Jalen Turner is no joke. He has that yeah. knockout power, yeah. and we'll see where he goes in the lightweight division. And also, before we get into the main card, I want to discuss the drama that was around this main card, especially at the co-main event between Rafael Dos Anjos and Rafael Fiziev. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to see uh, who the best Rafael in the UFC was. And it literally, I think it was like two, maybe three hours after he posted the podcast on Monday, the fight was canceled. So that's unfortunate. Uh, we're not going to count that pick towards our predictions, obviously. So on Monday, Fiziev had to pull out of the co-main event after testing positive for COVID-19. Um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, the fight had to be delayed because... Fiziev had visa trouble trying to get into the country, and now COVID pulled him out of the fight. Many people were calling out RDA attempting to get a co-main event spot. In particular, though, for me, it was Islam Makashev who called out RDA on Twitter, and this whole drama went out. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter, but RDA pretty much accepted the fight with Makachev. And then Dana White in the UFC thought it was a done deal. And then all of a sudden, it just did not happen, did not come to fruition. And that was more so on Islam's end. And now Dana White says that instead of giving Islam a title fight, they're looking to rebook uh, Makachev versus Benil Daryush instead of giving him that title fight. So what do you make of this whole RDA drama and especially Makachev? Because I think that's the most interesting part in all this as he's now looking at not getting a title fight. Uh, yeah, I don't think Islam needed to prove anything. Uh, and what I mean by that is I don't think he needed to fight RDA um, for a contender spot. And I think it's kind of petty. Um, now, with that being said, yes, I would have loved to see that RDA fight I versus Islam. Loved I would have loved it. But, I mean, he just came off a devastating win versus Bobby Green. Um and, you know, there's there's a lot of fighters that will take almost a year to uh, recover after a fight. So, you know, there shouldn't be a lot of pressure. There shouldn't be a lot of pressure um, just to start, like, just to come back and fight. Um, I, I do agree with you there because he did fight the week prior. But he didn't break a sweat. He knocked no, he out didn't. Bobby Green he in didn't. the first round. Um, but still, that, that training camp uh, and just everything in pre- preparation for the fight is just enough to take on your body in yeah. itself without the fight. He didn't need to take this fight. Not at all. The only thing I have a problem with is why call out RDA on social media Very and then weird. get the fight that you want and then all of a sudden pull out. That just doesn't make sense to me. And then he's blaming RDA when RDA was totally game for this fight. And credit to RDA, too, because Mikashev, I think, is going to be a future champion in the UFC. Yes. He is the next coming of Habib Nurmagomedov, in my opinion. Maybe better. Potentially even better, which is scary uh, in the UFC. Credits RDA again, but I would have loved to see that fight. It just doesn't make sense to me why Mikashev would have called him out just to not take the fight when it was offered to him. And now, according to Dana White himself, he's going to suffer the consequences and not get a title fight. 
In my opinion, though, this could set up some very interesting things in that lightweight division. Uh, we're going to get Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje at UFC 274. But with Islam Makashev now out of the title picture and Dustin Poirier looking to move up to welterweight, it kind of has you questioning who that next contender would be. And, you know, Charles Oliveira kind of wants to fight this the, notor- the notorious one, Conor McGregor. So we will see. I know Conor McGregor, he's always down for a title fight. Uh, McGregor right now is ranked number nine in the lightweight division. And I could very well see that fight come to fruition. What do you think about a potential McGregor-Oliveira if Oliveira gets past Gaethje? Uh, yeah, Oliveira's going to beat Gaethje probably. Uh, I'll just say that right now. And I also don't like Charles Oliveira that much. Really? Why? Um, I don't know. I just... He always beats people I like. I'm a big Dustin fan. And I just... I, I can understand that. It just... I don't know. He makes me upset. He is a good fighter, though. Um, I don't know if Connor deserves that fight with Charles. Um... Obviously, is it going to sell? Yes. Is it going to be massive pay-per-view, big fight? Yes. But what has Connor done recently to prove that yeah. he is worthy of That's that fair. fight? I mean, in his last fight, he snapped his leg against Dustin Poirier. And yep. in the previous fight before that, he got knocked out by Dustin Poirier. He, um, he definitely hasn't done all that much, but if yeah. Alex is right. It would be really cool to see him come back, in my opinion. But if we're thinking about, like, Statistically, then no, he doesn't deserve that fight. Yeah, so I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And in pro wrestling, if you have a guy on the rise or maybe a guy who come back who came back from injury like Conor McGregor, usually don't put that wrestler in the main event right away in title contention. There's such a thing as like a slow build, a slow grind up. You know, you have your squash matches against no name people and then you slowly build up and then you get to that title fight in wrestling. And that process usually takes place over a month-long span. Months and months and months of doing just that. So I don't even like it on Connor's end just to go right into a title fight, potentially, and risk losing again. And then who knows what his future uh, has, in, has in hold for him. Uh, yeah, I, I don't love the fight. I think he should kind of do a slow return, fight somebody potentially ahead of him, maybe even behind him and slowly build himself back up into lightweight title contention. But now, without further ado, let's get into UFC 272 and the main card. So it started off at heavyweight between Sergey Spivak and Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy. Man, I, I'm sure Michael was very happy with how that fight oh, went. Oh, he was, he was thrilled, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he was. So uh, Spivak had a first-round KO over Hardy. It only took him two minutes and 16 seconds. I'll, do, I'll go to you guys first. Spivak, Hardy, what'd you guys think? Uh, great fight. I just, I'm tired of seeing Greg Hardy in main events. Um, or on the main card. On the know, main card. Terrible. Yeah, main card. That's what I meant. Uh, and hopefully this is the wake-up call to Dana White um, come this Tuesday. You know, they'll talk and hopefully get him out of there because he he's not good. Um like I said on the podcast, he's the most inconsistent fighter in UFC history. He's well, he's a football player. He's I, I just <laughs> so, can't, I mean, that can be why I can't stand to watch him in the octagon. With that being said, he actually came out pretty hard. His strikes were coming out quick, but he just he gave up position. He was sloppy and that he did, and he got what he deserved. So, 
Yeah, and Spivak just throwing him around yeah. like a rag doll. I mean, that was even crazy. Picking too. him up and taking him down. I mean, how much did Greg Hart even weigh that night? I don't know. I mean, he probably added at least twenty pounds after the weigh-in. So he's thrown around a nearly three hundred pound man. Crazy. Just ragdolling him around the octagon before he knocks him out with some ground and pound, some vicious ground and pound. And reportedly Greg Hardy's last fight on his UFC contract. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is the end of Hardy and the UFC, which honestly I don't think anybody would have No one would have that with. big of a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, nobody would have an issue with Greg Hardy leaving the UFC. And I do think Dana White will make that happen. And then moving on to welterweight for the second fight of the night, Kevin Holland versus Alex Oliveira. At Welterway, Kevin Holland moving up, and Holland second round KO over Oliveira, 38 seconds in. And excuse me, Kevin Holland moving down to Welterweight for his first time in his career. A tough first round, but came back in the second round. What do you guys think of this one? Kevin Holland's a fun guy to watch. Uh, that was a great fight. Uh, I, I did predict that he would get a first or second round knockout on the did. podcast. Uh, came early in the second, and uh, I, you know, I wasn't surprised. Uh, it was a fun fight to watch. Yeah, I do agree. I'm concerned about Kellen, Kevin Holland's pretty much MMA talent and skill beyond just his power, though, because he has the knockout power to finish anybody. And in that first round, he was getting outclassed by Oliveira pretty much everywhere. Yeah, he definitely uh, seemed to struggle on the ground in that first round. Uh, he's very lucky yeah. it didn't go any longer. And he was just giving him his uh, back yeah. over and over again. And even striking, I mean, Kevin Holland was just throwing looping shots and just charging in, not really setting up his strikes very well at all. Oliveira even caught him a couple times in that first round. And then Kevin Holland comes out in the second round, and just a couple punches is all it takes for... Kevin Holland to get a knockout victory. I think Kevin Holland needs to work on pretty much everything, especially his wrestling. There is a blueprint to defeating Kevin Holland in the UFC, but hopefully he can get that figured out. And, I mean, his striking, just being more composed, I think, is important for him. Not charging in and setting up those strikes because he does have the reach advantage in most of his fights in order to be able to take advantage of that. So, predictions show we're all 2-0 at this point. Um, we all picked Spivak and Holland. So Mike, Alex, and I are sitting 2-0, sitting pretty. And then we get into the featherweight fight between Edson Barbosa and Bryce Mitchell. And then I start teetering, and you guys start rising. You guys went 3-0. I went 2-1 because Mitchell had a unanimous decision win over Barbosa. Mitchell wrestled nearly the entire fight and had over 10 minutes of ground control time in the fight. Alex, go ahead. What do you think of Bryce Mitchell? Doug Nasty, Bryce Mitchell oh. is not <laughs> a joke. He is serious. I why I will not compare myself to Bryce Mitchell at all. I did wrestle in high school. A full wrestling match is six minutes. After that six minutes, no matter how long you've trained, six minutes of wrestling, you are exhausted. Bryce Mitchell was able to to wrestle him, grapple him, and keep control for three five-minute rounds. Very, very, very impressive. Um, I'm not surprised. I did say he was going to win by decision. Uh, and he it's that, it's that wrestling. It, he'll square you up. He'll take his shots. And he, uh, he wasn't that entertaining to watch on the ground. But the way that he was able to keep control... The whole time was just what was really impressive to me about that fight. 
Yeah, so going into it, I did pick Barbosa. And honestly, I, I am impressed by Mitchell. But I think the biggest takeaway from this is how underwhelming Barbosa was. I don't think I underestimated Mitchell by picking against against him, but I just overvalued Barbosa. I thought that UFC veteran in him would come out and win a decision victory over Mitchell. Um, and honestly, when he was taken down, he didn't show any any effort in getting back up. No, no feet on the hips, pushing away, turning around and trying to get up. There was none of that. He was just laying, lying on his back, allowing it to happen. And Mitchell, like you said, just had him down on the ground for nearly 15 minutes and got the decision win. It was impressive because of the layoff for Mitchell. He had a long layoff. He had injuries, comes back and has this performance. He's going to be destined for something big in the featherweight division, but I don't think it was. It was impressive because he did it against Barbosa, but I just think Barbosa wasn't game that night. Barbosa didn't show up, and unfortunately, I did go 2-1. and one. For, and then, for yeah. Barboza, I, and this is this is an underlying theme throughout this card, he his preparation for a wrestler, all we know about Bryce Mitchell in the UFC from studying him is he's a quick striker and he wrestles, and that's it. He had lackluster takedown defense, and he just struggled and struggled and struggled to get up off bottom. And even worse, his game plan going into the fight almost made it easier for Bryce Mitchell to take him yes, down. Yes. He was throwing how many kicks that just shouldn't have been thrown. Grabs, grabs the leg, takes exactly. a single leg takedown. It was exactly. very, very dominant. It was very sloppy by a, a veteran. And that was, um, you kind of see this throughout the main card where these guys that were fighting wrestlers weren't prepared to wrestle. But we'll get into that. Yeah. So after the two um, knockouts, the rest of them were decision wins. So the next fight, the co-main event, we didn't have a pick for because of the change in fighter. So it was Rafael Dos Anjos versus Renato Moicano, who was stepping in on late notice. It was at catch weight, and RDA got the unanimous decision over Moicano. And again, just wrestling Moicano throughout the fight, cut him up a little bit. What'd you make of Moicano's late notice performance against Dos Anjos? Uh, guy has heart. Uh, Marcano. It is incredible that he was able to survive that fight. Um, I thought they were going to stop it uh, in the fourth. They didn't. And then I thought they were going to definitely stop it before the fifth, and they didn't. And he just he just kept fighting. That fifth round uh, where, you know, like we all thought he couldn't see and probably had, like, the worst concussion that you can diagnosing somebody yeah. and he he just came out striking now obviously RDA the veteran he is he knew that Moicano was hurt and he doesn't want to um, really really injure his opponent in that aspect so he wasn't going as hard in that fifth knowing he was winning the fight but uh, definitely you want to put yourself on the radar as a guy that's just a brawler and not going to give up Moicano did that that he did. It was a rough fight to watch at certain points. Um, but again, like you said, just more wrestling without much contesting it. Yep. And Dos Anjos, good for him. Stepping up against Moicano, who's coming in on late notice. Didn't know who his opponent was going to be. And Renato Moicano, a very different fighter than originally planned, which was Rafael Faziv. So RDA 
still looking great, even though he is at the later stage of his UFC career. And then we get into the welterweights main event. Former friends turned bitter enemies and rivals. The number one welterweight in the world, Colby Covington, taking on the number six welterweight in the world, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Alex, I'll send it over you, over to you to break down this main event. Nothing surprised me in this fight at all. I knew that Kobe Covington was going to win by decision. I knew that his striking was going to be in Jorge Masvidal's face, which I will now refer to him as George Masvidal the rest of this plot, <laughs> this show, because uh, he just lost Jorge privileges to me. I don't want to put in the effort. So George Masvidal, he wasn't, um, he didn't like that in the face, ground and pound. And then the shots, he couldn't handle the shots. And Kobe Covington was able to dominate rounds. He had a 44-50 round, or a 44-50 card. Um, He had a 45-50 card, which I predicted as well. It was pure wrestling, Kobe Covington. And it was pure in-your-face striking, Kobe Covington. And how do you not prepare for that? It, like, your game plan. It, what I told my friends when I was watching the fight is it seemed like Jorge Masvidal depended solely upon his takedown defense, but he wasn't ready on the ground. Um, and his takedown defense was good in those early rounds, but like I said, yeah. wrestling wears you down. And the more and more a fight goes on, it's harder to have better takedown defense. And when you're on the ground, it's hard to get up when there's a guy pounding you like Kobe Covington was. Um, so it was a really, I, I enjoyed the fight. I know a lot of people don't, uh, didn't enjoy it just cause it's that wrestling can get boring at times. But, uh, I, I even think on the ground, Jorge hit him with that strike in the fourth round. And that was about the same fight or the same punch that knocked out Till and Covington dropped to a knee. I got nervous. And then he was, oh, I was, I like jumped out of my bed. <laughs> And when then he that was back. Strike landed, and he was back. Yeah, and it, I, I think if you know that strike didn't put away Colby Covington, then I don't think Jorge had a strike that would have put him out. Um, so yeah, very, very um, good night for Alex Henry in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, mad, mad credit to Chaos uh, Covington. I, uh, I, I hope that he gets. Um, the fight versus Usman. I really don't like Usman that much. It's not going to happen next, though. Um, yeah, he, he called out Dustin. So... I think Dustin has eyes on we'll Nate see. Diaz instead. I do, too. But we'll see. I agree. I don't know if the UFC is willing to make that fight because it would be Diaz's last fight on his contract, and I think Diaz wants to go elsewhere, make more money mm-hmm. boxing Jake Paul, which honestly makes sense for Nate Diaz at this point in his career. So I picked Masvidal. I was the only one to do so. And when that one strike landed, I believe it was in the third or fourth round. When that strike landed, like I said, I almost got out of bed. I was so excited. And then just Masvidal had never kept it going. Like, he couldn't build off of those shots and put Covington to the ground. I was so prepared after that shot landed to come in here today, (laughs) screaming, saying, oh, I got it right. Masvidal is back. And unfortunately, it's quite the opposite. And you said, you know, Masvidal wasn't prepared for anything on the ground. I honestly don't even think Masvidal was prepared for much on the, anything. On the feet. No. Where Masvidal excels because he was almost playing Colby Covington's game. 
you know he's going to try and back you down and take you down, put you against the fence, and slowly grind you down. Why aren't you... I know he was just so flat-footed. Why aren't you bouncing around, getting to the center of the cage, doing some circles out there, so that way that wrestling offense of Colby Covington is limited? He just played right into the game plan of Colby Covington. And unfortunately, now Masvidal, he was ranked number six. That's going to go down, and we'll see what's next for Gamebred in the UFC. I so, think I think he retires. You really think he does? Wow. I mean, I, I don't know what else he has um, in the UFC. Um, he's been around forever. He's been around forever, and this fight really, to me, proved that not only is there nowhere for him to go right now, but he's just not... He's just not as good as I even thought he was. Um, yeah. Because I was very, I was also ready to come in here and hear hear some trash talk and have Jorge win by some knockout. And it's just, I mean, he Never had the been. striking opportunities too. Yeah. Kobe came right in his face. And Kobe, that's, Kobe even had some great striking on him. He Jorge. did. And he just, it was so, it was sorry to watch. It really was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could see Masvidal doing something crazy and like moving down to lightweight. And maybe that's McGregor's comeback fight. I would love to see Connor X Masvidal. Mm. That'd be fun. Um, I could only imagine what kind of strikes we would see in that fight. But yeah, I could, I could see him retire. I just don't think it's time yet. But do I think he gets another uh, title fight at welterweight? There's no chance. No. No chance he can't. He lost to Usman twice, and losing to Covington, those are arguably the number one and two welterweights in the world right now in the UFC. So the prediction show results, Alex, you went a perfect 4-0, and so did Mike. Mike also went 4-0, and then there's me. I said at 2-2. Two and two. <laughs> You know, I told you guys on the podcast, I was either going to shine above you guys or be at the very end. Because you guys agreed that Bryce Mitchell was going to win. I said Barboza. You guys also agreed that Covington was going to win. I said Masvidal. It could have gone. I could have been 4-0 and you guys could have been 2-2. Two and two. Unfortunately, it's the other way around. And now the total predictions. Alex, you are on top. You are 8-1 and one in our two predictions show. Uh, Mike is 7-2. and two, And I'm sitting in last at 6-3. and three. Yeah, guys, the uh, the Alex Henry Sports Betting Book is going to be coming out soon. I'm working on it right now. Uh, you know, you want to you want to make your bets, make some money. Uh, you're going to want to pick with Alex Henry. Hey, man, I'm beating you in the to- <laughs> I'm beating you in the topology stuff so far. Drake didn't make any money last night. I, I blame Drake. <laughs> I blame Drake. How about that? The Drake curse. How much did he bet? Was it like two hundred seventy-five thousand on uh, Jorge? Jorge. Hospital? Yes. So, you know, I would have loved to celebrate with Drake on that one, but... Oh, stinks to stink. Oh, man. I feel it. I feel it. So, like... Jake's hurting. I am hurting a little <laughs> bit. I am going to, to. So, regardless of my predictions, trying to put those aside, I honestly don't think UFC 272 was that great of a pay-per-view. You know, the first two fights were entertaining, but honestly, that Greg Hardy and Spivak fight had no business being on the main card. No. I mean, Kevin Holland, fantastic. That was probably my favorite fight of the night. And then we get three straight decision wins, all for the favorites, all by wrestling. And wrestling can be entertaining. I'm right there with you, Alex. I do watch, I do like watching wrestling at times, but three fights consecutively with not much going on on the defensive side of wrestling. It wasn't for me. I know it wasn't for a lot of UFC fans out there. Predictions aside, I don't, I did not like the card. I think it might be one of the worst pay per views 
of 2022 come year's end? Of course you do. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> uh, uh, Regardless of going two and two on my picks. Yeah, it, I mean... Uh, I do think it kind of flopped a little bit. The wrestling can get very boring, uh, especially when they are on the ground um, and there's not strikes or constant submissions or, like, like you in the said, Mitchell fight. defensive um, efforts and um, turnovers and stuff like that. It, it can get... It can drag. Um, and it did drag those last three fights. Uh, and I know that's not for every UFC fan, but I, I do come from a wrestling background. I do usually pick wrestlers in my predictions just because I do yeah. love the wrestling. So Work it, it definitely wasn't the best pay-per-view um, overall. But, I mean, it sold out Vegas. and I do think it has a chance of being the worst pay-per-view this year. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we've had some great ones so far. The next ones are looking stacked. Wow. Yep. Next one, we're going to be doing our UFC prediction show on UFC 273. And that card has no business being as stacked as it is. We have Volkanovski and the Korean Zombie on top. Also, we get the Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling fight that we've been waiting for for so long now. And they also added Hamzat Shemaev versus Gilbert Burns on that card as well. I mean, stacked three fights there. It's a shame that the Hamzat fight isn't five rounds, but honestly... I don't know if the fight's even going to go past round one, maybe round two. Not going to say who I think is going to win that fight. You'll have to see our prediction show in a month or so. I believe that card is going down on April 9th. In between then, we do have a couple fight nights. One is the London card. I am excited for that with a lot of great fights going on in the return to London for the UFC. So a lot of things going on in the UFC. Unfortunately for me, it didn't work out last night. But it does not mean that I can come back from the six and three starts from the last two pay-per-views. I will come back, and Alex, my sports betting book will be better than yours one day. Okay. I promise you. All right, well, we're going to cut it to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the MLB. That would be lockout situation, what happened this last week, and also the Cavs' disappointing run as of late. Stay tuned. What's going on, everyone? We are back with more Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murrin, and I am your host for today's show. Joining me are my analyst, Logan Congro. Still here. And Alex Henry. Hello. All right, guys, let's get into probably the most depressing segment of today's show, just because, you know, the Cavs are struggling as of late, and also the MLB lockout situation is still going on, and not only that, but on Monday, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred announced that the first two series of the regular season game uh, of the regular season are canceled. These series will not be rescheduled, and players will not be paid for them. Uh, before we get into some of the players' reactions and Rob Manfred himself, what was your guys' initial reaction to the announcement that we're going to miss out on the first two series of the season? It's extremely disappointing because. Baseball in America has been like America's sport, America's pastime forever. And it's disappointing that the owners and guys like Rob Manfred can't just talk to the players and have an actual valid discussion as opposed to a 15-minute argument that goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. And we we just want to watch baseball. The players just want to play. So it's unfortunate that they can't just come to an agreement. Yeah, it, it really is. So... Talking about Rob Manfred, during the press conference that he announced the cancellation of the games, he was smiling during it. He looked like he was losing some sleep about the negotiations as well. 
and he even laughed or at a reporter who was asking a question on their last day of work. Truly a terrible human being, in my opinion. Uh, did you guys see the video of him laughing at their? I saw uh, it. at that reporter. And what yeah. were you guys' takeaways from that? I, that's pathetic, in my opinion. It, you're it really you're the you're the commissioner of a major, major sports league, and you are laughing at the people that are essentially giving your league the attention that you want, and then you smile when you canceled the games. Like, do you truly like baseball? Like, what are you doing here? Why are you, why are you the head of this league if you don't even care? about the people that make it what it is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Logan, there. Um, it was really hard to watch, and it it was hard to watch because it comes at the expense of not only the players but also us, the fans. We want to see baseball start on time. We want to see um, America's pastime be played out this year. Personally, I'm pretty excited to see now the Cleveland Guardians play this season. New name, a lot of guys coming up. I'm always excited for the Guardians to start, so I want to see them play. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait, and who knows if more games are going to get canceled as well as there's been no agreement. If we were to rank the commissioners from the NFL, NBA, and MLB, personally, this is pretty easy for me. So Roger Goodell, Adam Silver, and Rob Manfred, obviously those are the men. How would you guys rank them? I would say Adam Silver, number one, Roger Goodell, two, and Rob Manfred, 4,098. I love it. I completely agree with you, by the way. Alex, how about you? I don't like any of them. Really? Um, I'd probably say Goodell, number one, Silver, number two, and Robbie, Rob, number three. Okay, fair enough. I mean, Rob Manfred is definitely down at the bottom, probably even further. For sure. Um, But I also have Adam Silver, number one, then Roger Goodell, number two, I just think Adam Silver's done a lot with the league and even, like, changing the rules of the NBA All-Star Weekend stuff. Right. Like, he adapts. He knows what to change, not only for viewers, but also for the players in the league as well. So I think Adam Silver has a lot to do with the NBA. His marketing is superior to all of the other Absolutely. major league sports. And what he was able to do with the bubble during the 2020 yeah. season, awesome. that was really impressive Very as well. Very impressive, yep. So, Rob Manfred terrible he said it wasn't without uh, a solid effort trying to get the deal done yeah okay whatever you have to say um one of the players that came out and had something to say once the games were canceled was anthony rizzo personally i'm not a fan of rizzo because he was on the cubs we all know that story uh now he's on the new york yankees but he said on twitter quote to the fans we will miss you most to the younger generation of baseball players this is for you uh, i thought that quote was pretty inspiring um, not only just trying to play this season, but getting the future generation of baseball players what they deserve, just more money, more pensions, all that stuff going on with the negotiations. Also, maybe the best player in baseball right now, Mike Trout came out um, with a long Instagram post saying, uh, now we need to get the CBA, CBA rights instead of bargaining in good faith with the MLB. The MLB locked us out. Instead of negotiating a fair deal, Rob canceled games. We owe it. To the next generation. What do you guys think of these MLB players coming out, especially devoting their messages to the future of the game and the future players that we will grow up watching? I think it's pretty cool because it shows that they're not only concerned about themselves because everybody's making it out to be, oh, they don't, they just want more money. They're not, they're already rich. Why do they need more? 
they're they're laying out a foundation so that in the future this will not be an issue with the young generation and they want kids to that there's kids looking up to them playing in the MLB right now regardless of the age college high school even like little league and some of those kids will end up playing in professional baseball and they want to I, I think they want them to come into a league and a sport for that matter with better with a better understanding of what's going on and have it not be an issue for them. Yeah, I do completely agree with you there. And, you know, they did say Rob Manfred and the owners are killing the game of baseball. Yeah. I also couldn't agree more there, too, as well. I, um, I'll probably, I mean, I'll probably get some flack, but I mean, the game of baseball has just been falling off, in my opinion. Um, it's been hard to watch. Three hour games. You got guys coming out of the ballpen. They're just pitching 100 miles per hour. Nothing's happening. And numbers on, like, TV numbers, views are down hard. And, like, I don't know. Baseball's a spring sport. It happens in the spring. I don't want to see it in June when NBA playoffs are happening and there's hockey fans that are watching hockey. And I think if these players really did care about this younger generation... They would work something out, and they would try to get this going. Money aside, because baseball fans are leaving. You're going to have your diehard baseball fans. Every single season, they're going to be there. But the MLB has done an awful job, and that's not the player's fault of marketing their sport. And that's not the player's fault. But if they do really care about this younger generation, they they need to play the game. And, I mean, all you have is a bunch of millionaires arguing with multi-billionaires. And it's more money than I'll ever have. These UFC fighters fight for chum change, and then they go work at Walmart. You you yeah. worked your whole life to be a baseball player, not to be a, a millionaire. Just play the game. If you, want, if you don't want baseball to die, play the game. So, a couple things with what you just said. First off, like, you said bullpen pitchers coming out, throwing 100 plus miles an hour. For me, that's kind of like what you think about wrestling in the UFC. You know, it's not everybody's favorite thing, but you enjoy it a lot. For the MLB, pitching is not everybody's thing. But if Shane Bieber's pitching, I'm tuning in to see what Shane Bieber has. And then seeing what the bullpen guys have as well. I, You know, you have your baseball fans that, like, if the score isn't five to whatever, it's not good. Like, it needs to be five-plus runs. If it's one to two, terrible game. Regardless of what happened in the game, maybe Shane Bieber's pitched all nine innings, gave up one run, and the Guardians win two to one. Still a terrible game because it was only two to one, but in my eyes, that's a great game because Shane Bieber had a great pitching performance, only gave up one run in nine innings of work, and then the Guardians were able to get the two runs to get the win. That's my opinion on that. So, you know, sure, you'll have those MLB fans that are fading out, the league definitely is dying because of this lack of marketing. And I think that falls on the owners and Rob Manfred the most. In terms of the younger generation, though, I'm going to have to disagree with you there because if the younger generation wants to play in the MLB and play in a fair MLB and get paid what they deserve in the MLB, then the CBA needs to go towards the player's way. And I don't think the players should give up what they're fighting for just to go out there and play on a diamond that they're not embarrassed to play on, but maybe feel 
a little bit a little bit bad about it because they know that they gave up what they were fighting for and now they're on a diamond doing the work that are making the owners and Rob Manfred a lot of money. So that's my take on that. Logan, do you have any response to what Alex and I just said? How how do you feel about this whole situation? I would I would second with Alex that baseball is doing a terrible job marketing their sport. Yeah, I do agree with that part. Um, me personally, and I would also second that baseball is very difficult to watch on TV due to the length of it. it three hours. Three hours is long. But, like, I enjoy going to Guardians games. I love sitting there. I love going with my friends, just being out in the sun. But to be honest, when I'm there, even, like, the in-game experience is not that interesting. Like, I don't, we don't, when I go with my friends, like, it's not like I'm constantly the entire three hours staring at the game. That's just not the case. It's just a thing to go and do. I think they need to find ways to make the game itself more interesting and more intriguing to the fans rather than just going on and on for three hours, like Alex said. I do agree with you there completely, but... I think Alex more so blamed that. Not blamed it on the players, but, like, the players should just play the game. That way the younger generation can see them and grow up and play I think the game. That, I think that plays a, a bigger part in it than right. them trying to argue about money right now, yeah. Okay. So, Logan, do you think that that lies on the owners or the players more in making the experience more entertaining for not only viewers in the stands but also on TV. I think it lies on the owners. I think they have to do more to make their players marketable, make the game that their players are playing in more fun. I don't think it has anything to do with the players at all. They're doing their job, they're doing what they're told, and they're doing it to the best of their ability, regardless of if it's quote-unquote boring to them, because they don't care if it's boring. They're making millions and they're playing a game that they love. And they're they're doing what they're told in practices and what they're told by management to do. Yeah, I do agree with you there. Um, also good on the MLBPA. They did start a $1 million fund to help stadium workers and other employees during the lockout. So at least those workers who are, depending on the season starting on time, are still getting what's owed to them. That's good. Um, I'll ask you guys real quick before we get into the Cavs. Will we see baseball in 22? Will the lockout end? Will we see Guardians baseball? I really don't know. I, I think it's really up in the air. I I think there's a solid chance that at some point, I do think we're going to lose a lot of baseball. More than just two series? Yes. But I think we'll end up seeing baseball at some point. Yeah, it's it's sad. April 15th is the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's debut in the MLB. And there most likely will not be baseball played on what is one of American sports is most arguably one of its biggest uh, events ever. Wow. And figures, yeah. It's it's really sad. Uh, will there be baseball in 2022? I, I think so. I think they'll work something out um, because if it is all about money, um, well, at the end of the day, they're not going to be bringing in a lot of money if they're not playing baseball. Um, nobody is. Um, so I do think they'll work something out, but I, uh, it's not looking good right now. Yeah, I do agree with you guys. I do think we see baseball in 2022. I think it's just going to be a very short or shortened season, and I don't see the game just being canceled for two series. I see maybe a month or maybe even two more months canceled out of the regular season, which, you know, might increase the viewership because that shorter season can be more entertaining. Right. But then again, I think MLB owners should just change that in the first place if that's what they want to do. 
rather than, you know, just suspending games because they're in this lockout. But honestly, I like baseball. I like the season. I like watching it during the summer. And most of all, I just like having a game on almost every single night that I can tune in and watch because over the summer, you know, you don't have your football going on. Uh, basketball is ending, if not over already by that time. And that's right when baseball is kind of picking up. So I do hope we see Guardians baseball in 2022. And I just want them to release those home jerseys too because I definitely want a Joshua Naylor um, Guardians jersey too. So hopefully they get it done. Well, let's get into Cavs basketball. They are 36 and 27 now. They have fallen all the way to sixth in the Eastern Conference after going 0-3 this week, and their schedule does not look any better coming up. We'll start it off as they did this week with a loss to the Timberwolves. Final score was 127-122. to I'll kick it to you guys. What did you think of the Timberwolves' loss? They just looked soft. That's the best way to explain mm-hmm. it. They just looked soft. They didn't look like they really even wanted to be there. Yeah, I mean, they looked soft, but I also thought the Timberwolves were playing almost too hard and too aggressive at certain points. That's also true. It looked like there was a lot of hostility going on on the floor. Um, Alex, what did you think of the Timberwolves game? I agree. They looked soft. Um, it was it was kind of sad to watch, actually, that Timberwolves game, just because they there was nothing there. It, yeah. I, I wasn't impressed with anything. The fact that... I, I was Kevin Love the leading scorer of that game. Yeah, yeah, twenty six Cavs. Twenty six points was the leading scorer. That shouldn't happen. That that should, should not, happen. not be the case. That should not. He happen. should not be expected to score twenty six points for them to yeah. be close, let alone lose. Yeah, and I think that was the game coming off the Wizards game where he had a terrible performance. So good for Kevin Love at least getting back on track. Jared sure. Allen and Jetty Osman had twenty one points each in the game. Timberwolves had six players in double digits. D'Angelo Russell was leading the way with 25 points. And honestly, I boiled it down like you said you weren't impressed by anything, Alex. I mean, I was at least impressed with the first quarter because we were leading 37-26 after the first quarter. Um, After that, I mean, we had a brief run in the fourth quarter to make it close, but we just weren't as competitive, like you guys said, kind of soft as well. So we start off the week with a loss to the Timberwolves. We keep that going as we invite the Charlotte Hornets into town, and we lose to them at 119 to 98. Um, an ongoing trend this week for the Cavs. We outscored the Hornets 31 to 28 in the first quarter, and then we only scored 18 points in the second and fourth quarter. That's not going to get it done in the NBA. What did you guys make of the Hornets' loss? I think they looked again. They looked soft, and I think they looked tired. And they they just didn't have any heart. They had no reason to, like, they just didn't have any business even being on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And it was Darius Garland's return. He had 33 points and four assists. So it was a great return for all-star Darius Garland. And why this name, Terry Rozier, why does every single time this man come to Cleveland, he just <laughs> he terrorizes us? He's yeah. like an all-star whenever he plays in Cleveland. He scored 29 points, had seven assists and seven rebounds to lead the Hornets to a win. And then we go to play Philadelphia on the road, and it was a respectable loss. We lost 125 to 119, but it was a loss nonetheless. Darius Garland was the leading scorer with 26 points and 19 assists. Isaac Okoro, Jetty Osmond, and Jarrett Allen all scored 20 or more points as well. What did you guys make of the 76ers loss? I just think it's tough to beat the 76ers right now because they have, like, new life with James Harden, and that connection with Embiid is proving to be really good for that franchise. And 
like you said, respectable loss. I just think it's it's difficult to beat them right now anyways. I agree. Respectable loss. They came out hot in the first, um, and I was pretty excited. But uh, they, they are, the 76ers are a good, good basketball team right now. They're title contenders, in my opinion, and yeah. uh, it's a hard team to beat. Yeah, so I was not watching this game. I was actually going to see the Batman when it was going on. Have you guys seen it yet? It was a good movie. You I saw it? Seen it yet. I did see it. It was a great movie. I've heard it save DC. It, it did. It did hard. I mean, not getting into it too much, but Robert Pattinson is a great Batman. That's Best all I'll say. Batman. Wow. Ever. I yeah, I can't. He's I can't so good. That. He's so good. Mm, gotta watch it, okay. guys. Yeah. So so good. Um it was three hours long, but honestly didn't feel like it. But yeah, we'll leave it there. Um, anyways, the 76ers loss, just this trend that I'm seeing with the Cavs, they outscored the 76ers 43-30 to in the first quarter. We were leading by 13, and then we go on to be outscored in the second, third, and fourth quarter. Why Why are we score, outscoring teams by so much in the first quarter and then just playing soft and not competitive the rest of the game? We're always coming out hot and then letting the game go. I don't really know why. Um, but like we did say, it was a respectable loss. I mean, Tyrese Maxey had 33 points. He went off. Uh, James Harden had 25, along with 11 assists. Joel Embiid had 22 points himself. Um, yeah, it just it's a disappointing week for the Cavs. Not only did they go 0 and 3, but they've also fallen um, a lot in the Eastern Conference. They're now in sixth place, and they might even be in danger for falling even further in the East. Do you guys think the Cavs are in danger of falling further? Yes, absolutely. I think they need to get their morale up, and they need to realize that, No, first of all, like we've been saying all year, nobody expected them to even be good, so they need to get back to that mentality that, hey, no one believes in us. I think some of the hype got to them a little bit, and that's why they're falling, and I think they need to get back into the mentality that, hey, no one believed in us, let's get back up. Let's keep playing our hearts out and act like nobody believes in us, even though clearly a lot of people do believe in the Cavs now. So I think, yes, they could continue to fall if they don't improve their mindset and their play on the court. I do agree with you, Alex. I'll go to you, though. Yeah, they are in a lot of danger. However, I will say the um, looking at the Eastern Conference, um, teams 4-8, to eight, uh, they've all been very inconsistent uh, since the All-Star break. Uh, and that's that's the one thing that's good for the Cavs, that they're not the only team that's been pretty uh, inconsistent recently. But, yeah, what is going on with them? I, I wrote uh, that the Cavs have the ingredients, but they're missing a little spice. They, they're missing a little seasoning. They need they need some life brought into them. Uh, and it's, they're in a lot of danger right now if they can't spice things up. Yeah. It's also not helpful. I know he's not that big of a piece, but it's not helpful that Rondo's out, too. And Karis LeVert. And Karis yeah, LeVert. for sure. I mean, maybe that will be the spice in the um, in the meal there for you, Alex. But. Yeah, they just need a firelight under them. They need yeah. they need to play with some heart, uh, and they need to stop playing soft, like you said. Uh, in games that Karis LeVert and Darius Garland played together, they did not really gel all that well. So I hope that once Karis LeVert comes back, we do see that chemistry between those two guys. And maybe that is what will energize the Cavs heading into the last little stretch here of the regular season. It's just as tough because, you know, a couple weeks ago we were talking about how the Cavs were third in the East, just behind the Heat and the Bulls. And now they're three spots down in sixth place behind 
the Heat, 76ers, Bucks, Bulls, and the Celtics now who are on a run. It's tough to see. I do think we could fall even further in the East, but I did like our performance against the 76ers because like you, Alex, I do see the 76ers as a legit title contender this year, so only losing to them by six. I mean, you, you, could, you have to take... You have to roll with the punches here. Um, it was a loss, sure, but it wasn't a terrible loss. So I think we might build some some momentum there and go forward with it. But other than that, there's not much hope with the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. Their upcoming week, so they do play the Raptors today at 730. And then they go on the road for three straight games against the Pacers, the Heat, and the Bulls, so a tough schedule ahead. And hey, we've we've beat all these teams this season. Every team that you just named, we've beat so far. You're not wrong, but, I mean, it doesn't make it any easier. We always kind of struggle against the Pacers. Um, I know the Raptors, too. They might even uh, be like a sneak team that might beat us. Also, the Heat and Bulls, they've been right up there in the Eastern Conference. The Heat are winning the whole thing, so. I, mean, I know you're about to just oh, say that, Logan. Yep. I know you're a big Heat fan. The Heat are winning the whole thing. Oh, and they're definitely playing like it right now, at least. But now those... we got Oladipo back too. He's playing in that game against the Cavs. Oh, of course he is. I feel like players always come back just in time to play the Cavs. A... Happened with Clay yeah. Thompson. It just it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So these four games: Raptors, Pacers, Heat, Bulls. Um, if you were to predict them, four games, what would our record be after that? Or just zero and four, four and zero, anywhere in between? Beat the Raptors. Beat the Pacers. Lose to the Heat, lose to the Bulls. Two and two. Okay, fair enough. Alex? Four and up. Really? Four and up. Okay. I, I love the confidence coming out of you. Um, Not beating the Heat for sure. I see us going like three and one. We've kind of had the Heat's number this year, though. That's true. I'll give you twice. that. As well with the Pacers, we have like we have struggled against them, but we've kind of owned them in the games that we've played them. Yeah, I do think we have one loss to the Pacers this year, but I could be wrong. Um, I think we beat the Raptors... We might slip against the Pacers. That's our first road game of the stretch. And then I'll say we beat the Heat and the Bulls. Kind of get a spark underneath us. So I'll say 3-1, and one, uh, win against the Raptors, lose against Pacers. That could be flip-flopped either way, though. And then Heat and Bulls, I think we kind of prove that we still belong in the upper spots of the Eastern Conference by picking up those wins against some of the top teams in the conference. Hopefully they can get their stuff together this coming week, and the Cavs hopefully will be back. We and will be back here shortly with more Sports Power Talk. We're going to cut it to break. When we return, we are going to talk about our very own Akron Zips basketball team. They're heading to Cleveland this week to play in the MAC tournament, and we will also hear from star basketball players Enrique Freeman and Ali Ali. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned to 88.1 WZIP. What's going on, everyone? We are back with more Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. My name is Jake Murin, and I am your host of today's show. Joining me are my analyst, Logan Congro. What's going on? And Alex Henry. What's up? All right, guys. Last segment was a little dull. We were talking about the negatives around the MLB and the Cavs. But let's get excited about our Akron Zips basketball team they went 2-0 and this week. They're on a five-game winning streak. They're getting hot at exactly the right time. 
They finished the the regular season at 21 and 9, 14 and 6 in conference play, and fourth in the MAC. Not a terrible year for the Zips, especially after losing a guy like Lauren Christian Jackson in that adjustment period, going 21 and 9. Isn't bad. And we'll start it off with their win against Ball State earlier this week. We beat them 79 to 60. Enrique Freeman, we can't give him enough love. He had 18 points and 16 rebounds in that Ball State win. He has the most double-doubles in the MAC, most rebounds per game in the MAC, and has the most total rebounds in the MAC. So just an incredible player there. Uh, Xavier Castaneda also had 22 points. Ali Ali had 16. What were your guys' thoughts on this dominant win over Ball State? I thought it was a really good win. I think they had a lot of energy, and I think they knew that going into the MAC tournament, they had to have some energy and. I think it's good that they got a solid win before going into tournament play. Yeah. Good oh. first half, good second half. Um, a lot of guys stepped up, um, like Casaneda. Um, really good game. Yeah. It was Go a, Zips. Exactly. Go Zips. It was a dominant win on the road in all phases of the game. And you would have to imagine that the most critical person of this team, head coach John Gross, was happy with this win. He's been really critical of the defense as of late. Mm. Only gave up 60 points. We scored 79. I think Coach John Gross went home happy that night. And then we finished the regular season with a tough win against the Central Michigan Chippewas. We won 57-56, to a tight-knit game. Xavier Castaneda was the leading scorer with 17 points and 7 rebounds. I'll head it over to you guys, though. Last game, Central Michigan. Any thoughts? Should not have been that close considering Central Michigan is 7-22. and 22. But good win. Glad we pulled it out. And another good performance by Castaneda for sure. And, yeah, too, a little too tight for my liking, but good win. Yeah. Exciting win. Fair enough. Alex? Yeah, uh, very scary game to watch, uh, especially for 7-22 and 22 Central Michigan. But, um like you said, Castaneda had a great game. They were able to pull it together, and that's all I really care about, when to win. Yeah, it was a rough first half. In the second half, we were able to get some momentum going, just enough to get the win. Greg Tribble made two free throws to decide the game with 32 seconds left. And, you know, Central Michigan had a better field goal percentage, but they just turned the ball over uh, more than us, and I think that was really what led to the Chippewas' downfall and the Zips. Like I said earlier, five-game winning streak to end the regular season. According to you guys, though, what was the reason for this newfound success of us going on this five-game winning streak? I really think that it was an energy thing. I think that they know, they like I said, they knew going into the tournament you're going to have to have energy because there's teams like Kent State or the Electric Chickens, my bad, but they're, they're on a, as much as I hate to say it, they're on a roll and if we run into them, like we're going to have to play tough. They've had our number this year, and I know we got to get through Buffalo first. We got to get through a few more scenarios. But I'm, what I'm saying is, like, there's teams like that in the tournament that are already streaking that are going to bring that into the tournament. Yeah. And if we want to succeed and we want to get to the NCAA tournament, we have to match teams like the Electric Chickens' energy in order to be prosperous. Yeah. Even more reasons why this winning streak was. Not only needed, but just gives us that extra lift going into the MAC tournament. Alex, any thoughts on why the Zips are going on this five-game winning streak? Yeah, the Akron Zips men's basketball team is simply 
trying to show everybody that they are ready for this tournament. They are they're not a joke. Uh, they they have lost to some bigger teams this season, um, but they they wanted everybody to know when they go into this tournament. Hey, we're we're here. We're ready to play. Uh, they want to be in that mindset. They want to be heated up, heated up, like you said. So uh, they're just ready. They're just trying to show everybody they're ready. Yeah, so head coach John Gross has credited the camaraderie and chemistry of the team as of late. And, you know, after losing a guy like LCJ, you need to construct a new team. So I think John Gross has done a great job at doing that. And, you know, it's easy when you have guys like Enrique Freeman, Ali Ali, and even Xavier Castaneda this year doing what they're doing on the court. And, you know, I think they're just having fun out there. You know, they found their rhythm. They found their scheme. And most importantly, I think they found each other. And they, they're they not pushing things anymore. It's coming naturally. And I have seen that on both ends of the floor for the Akron Zips. Uh, speaking of Enrique Freeman and Ali Ali, though, I sat down with Enrique and WZIP Sports. Marcus Anderson sat down with Ali Ali to discuss their basketball career and also their mindset heading into Cleveland for the 2022 MAC Tournament. We'll kick it to them, and then we'll be right back with more Sports Power Talk. Hello, everyone. My name is Jake Murrin, and you are tuned in to SPT. I have a very, very special guest joining me today. He is six foot and seven inches tall. He is a walking and automatic double-double, and he has been a breakout player for the Akron Zips men's basketball team for two years now. He is the one and only Enrique Freeman. How are you doing today, Enrique? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. I'm not too bad myself. <laughs> now, before we get into this season and the upcoming MAC tournaments, I want to know what got you into the game of basketball. Uh, what got me into the game of basketball? Um, definitely watching my older brother play basketball, kind of when I was younger, and that's when I started liking it a lot. Started picking up on his moves and started playing a lot more. Nice. So there wasn't really a player that you idolized growing up or was it just your brother for the um, most part most likely my brother brother kind of idolized him and uh i guess it was fun to do it was really fun and then i started actually picking it up more seriously as i got started getting older yeah so coming out of high school you were a first team all lake effect conference player and a runner-up for conference player of the year yet you were a walk-on can you explain the process from graduating high school to joining the zips basketball team uh yeah so i came to akron um for academics mm-hmm. did my first year as a normal student and then after um my sophomore year i decided i had a lot of family members encourage me to try out um and i was always asked when i was here hey are you on the team are you on the team are you on the team and i always would say no yeah there's one guy who i told no to and then the next week later i tried out made the team and he seen me there so i think i lied to him but <laughs> um then i made the team and from there on i just um from coming out of high school, too, I didn't have any offers or anything like that. Basically, it was just pure passion to try out and um, just wanted to play on that next level. Yeah, without Coach uh, Gross, would you be where you are today as a basketball player? Uh, no. I wouldn't be where I am without anyone in our program, uh, honestly. You know, our coaches, Ford, um, Robbie and Forford, and our the OGAs, Brett, um, Darren, Darren uh, Keith, a lot of them who, and the managers, 
who do not get as much recognition as John Gross, but they are play a big role in his job and his program here in Akron. So, Like I said at the top, you are widely known for your ability to get a double-double on about any given night. You're even averaging a double-double this season. Does that put pressure on you at all, and do you pay attention to all that? Um, I, will, I would be lying if I say it didn't put pressure. It does put a little bit of pressure, but I do not pay attention to I try not to pay attention to, like, certain things because I feel like it distracts my focus. Um, I I try to, I want to, one of my goals is to try to be as humble as possible, you know, especially because even though I might, it could be a night I can get a double-double and we don't win. That's not a success to me. Yeah, It's more of a success if the whole team wins, if I get a double-double or if someone else gets a double-double, it's more, I feel like my mindset is more about the team than it is about myself. So the Mid-American Conference is deep with teams like Toledo, Ohio, Buffalo, and even Kent State in the mix. You guys are 2-4 and four against those teams this season. What is it going to take for the Zips to win the conference tournament? It's going to take everything. It's going to take everyone on our team to step up, everyone in our program to step up, and I like to say this, um, you know, when it comes down to especially March Madness, in the next month, you don't want to look back and say, hey, I wish I would have just gave 10 more percent. It's right now you need to think, I need to give, if I'm giving 100%, I need to give 120%. So I think that's what it's going to take. Okay, so I have to ask you this about the MAC tournament, our arch rival, the Kent State Electric Chickens, as they are known <laughs> around here. We're 0-2 against them this season. Do you want to see them again for revenge in Cleveland? Of course. Is it something you're going to pay attention to, or if you don't play them, you won't? No, I won't pay attention to it. I will we'll be focusing on one game at a time. But if we do have the, if we're lucky enough to have the opportunity to play them again, I think it would be a great game. Lucky enough, I love it. Yeah. So what's it like playing in a conference tournament? Like, how do you manage the stress, pressure, and just day-after-day play that is involved? Um, well, last year was my first conference tournament, and it um, it felt a lot of stress, but um, preparation trumps pressure. So we prepare very well for t- times like this. We work from after the season's over from the summer to preseason to season. And it's not time to fold or choke. It's time to use all the hard work, all the unrequited work, all the things that you've worked on during this time. Nice. Preparation trumps pressure. I love it. Um, What can we expect out of the Zips coming into the MAC tournament? You can expect excitement. You can expect um, a fun team playing and trying to win. All right, well, thank you for coming on today, Enrique. Thank you. It has been an incredible 2021 and 22 season for not only yourself, but the Zips as well. We all wish you luck as you head to Cleveland in just a few days to compete in the MAC tournament. And even though the MAC is a deep conference, you guys are hot at the right time, and you can bring home the MAC championship. Yes. So we will see the Zips in action starting on March 10th and ending with the championship game on Sunday, March 12th. Stay tuned as we will hear from Marcus Anderson, who has another star Zips basketball player with him.
What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to WZIP's very own Sports Power Talk, only on 88.1 FM. This is Marcus Anderson. First of all, I want to congratulate the Akron Zips men's basketball team as they just clinched a spot in the MAC Conference Tournament. And one of the main reasons for their success this year is a young man who is one of their many stars and is the team's leader in points scored per game, assists per game, minutes played per game, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage. He is a sophomore out of Kendallville, Indiana, and he goes by the name Ali Ali. Ali, it's great to have you with us, man. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing good. I appreciate it. Now, it's like your game has really improved this year um, with every stat category, and that's mainly because uh, the coach gave you like more minutes to play each game. And as, besides that, what else has helped you flourish with your game this year? It's like you have a breakout season this year. Tell me why. Um, obviously, like you said, you know, given a bigger opportunity, you know, a bigger role, you know, with uh, Christian and some other guys leaving from last year and then just working hard in the offseason, you, you know, a combination of both of those. Oh, that's what's up, man. Also, it's like you've become the go-to guy, like I said. How are you handling that role? Um, I mean, there's been ups and downs, obviously, as you guys have seen. And, you know, there's more, obviously, behind the scenes. Uh-huh. But, I mean, for the most part, I think, you know, I've been doing a good job of just trying to, you know, be a better leader this year and uh, just play, you know, better on both sides of the ball. What else has been key for your for the success of your t- of the team this year? Uh, just, you know, our togetherness, like our willingness, you know, to get better, you know, each game. And, uh you know, obviously Enrique, you know, double-double machine. Enrique, oh, yeah, you know, cleans up a lot of things for us on the defensive end. And obviously, like, he can go get 20 or 30 himself, you know, any given night. And then, you know, our guards and our bench. So, you know, it's just a combination of everyone, you know, just uh, contributing. And that's kind of what's led to the success we've had so far. And also, um, you know, that defense is a very underrated part in the game. And also, in case you didn't notice, but... You guys are the number one defense in the conference, and could you break it down how you, how you guys became this great as a unit on the defensive end? Uh, I mean, to us, like, our defense is not very good right now, you know, to our <laughs> standards, but, like, you know, I didn't even know we're number one, but, you know, that shows partly, you know, the effort we give on the defensive end and, you know, uh, the ability to lock in every night, you know, pay attention to the scouting report and execute, you know, coverages and stuff like that. And we still have a long ways to go in our eyes, you know, of things that we could, you know, small things we could fix that can make a big difference in our defense. And uh, I think we're getting there, and uh, we'll be we'll be in a good spot come tournament time. Yeah. With the MAC tournament approaching, and once again, congratulations on clinching the spot. And also, what is the mindset for this team moving forward into the MAC tournament? Uh, mindset is just right now. Uh, you know, having, like, a good vibe, you know, everyone uh, being energetic right now because, you know, this time of the year, you know, it's hard, you know, how you, everyone's body's hurting and stuff like that, and it's a long season. So, I mean, just, you know, uh, bringing good energy and then uh, continuing to get better, like just finding ways to get better each and every game because those small things will add up and make a big difference come, you know, March. Um, and also, I see um, that you like, the most, fo- most focused player on the team. It's like you're the first one on the court and the last one off the court. And also, it's like you really love this game so much. I see you smiling, like, when inbounding the ball, and you just smile throughout the whole game. Like, where is your mindset exactly before game time? Um, I just try not to take it, like, too serious, I guess, because it's just, like, in the past, I would take it too serious, and you don't play as well, or, you know, you're kind of timid. So I just... Right now, I just try to go out there and be like, you know, this is like my time. <laughs> like, I get 40 minutes to, you know, 
have like my dance, I guess. To say. Right, fair. Just do your thing. Just yeah. get to go out and play. That's all. Yeah. And also, like I said, I, your your passion for the game is so obvious. And why do you love this game so much? Um, obviously, you know the influences I had growing up with my dad, and then you know Kobe and uh, the Lakers. Always, always been a Lakers fan because of him and stuff like that. And uh, I just kind of set out that dream in, like, first grade that, you know, I was going to play in the NBA, and I just never, like, never looked back on it, so. Well, Ali, uh, thanks for being on the show. It's great to have you on here. And like I said, nothing for the best for you. You're obviously a, a heck of a player, heck of a team you guys are. And once again, just go for it. And and the odds just, as the odds get bigger, y'all just got to just smash them down, you know. Just keep doing your thing. I promise you that Mike Taylor will be yours, man. Yeah, for sure. We definitely gonna bring it back to Akron, man. I appreciate you having me on here. Oh, no problem, Ali. Now, um, folks, this is your interview from WZIP Sports Sports Power Talk, and we'll be right back. You guys have a nice one, and see you later. All right, we are back with Sports Power Talk. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview package there with Enrique Freeman. And Ali Ali. That was only a little snippet of the interview, though, that we had with them. The rest of it is going to be posted tomorrow on WZIP Sports' very own podcast platform, SPT Overtime. So if you want to see what else Enrique Freeman and Ali Ali had to say, definitely check it out tomorrow morning, first thing, because they also went over what Kobe's influence has done for the Zips, and that was some great conversations there as well. But going into the MAC tournament, this team seems very enthusiastic and energetic going into Cleveland. And I want to preview every single game and give some predictions as well. So the tournament's going to kick off this Thursday, March 10th. Um, game one is going to be Toledo, the number one seed Toledo against the number eight seed Central Michigan. Then we play at game number two, number four Akron versus number five Buffalo. Game three is number two, Kent State, versus number seven, Miami. And then the last game is going to be number three, Ohio, against number six, Ball State. So that is the first round of the MAC tournament, and then the rest of the games will be decided from those results. So before we get into predictions on every single game and who we think is going to win the MAC tournament, I want to play a little game with sleepers, pretenders, and contenders in the MAC. So we'll start it off with a sleeper in the Mid-American Conference. Um, I asked you guys both to prepare a sleeper in the MAC, a team that is potentially being overlooked that could cause an upset or two or maybe even win the whole thing. Give me your sleeper pick for the MAC. It's Akron. It's okay. It's the Akron Zips men's basketball team. They um, they've gotten they've gotten a lot of a lot of flack recently. Um, but they've been coming back, and uh, I do think they're pretty slop on in this tournament. Logan, how I'm about not you? gonna lie, that was my pick too. And I know it sounds so biased because we're all up here at WZIP in Akron, but I just think that they have a decent record. They're ranked at four, so they're kind of they're in that sleeper area. Not the best, not the worst. Right. I would go with Akron, but my non-biased pick, my backup, would be I'd go with Ohio. Okay. That's interesting. Why do you go with Ohio? I think their record shows that they're very decent, too, and I think they have a 
they have an easy road to maybe cause some upsets. Like they're playing Ball State first. Obviously, they have a better record, and that's they're not really the sleeper pick. But if if they go on, they can end up being a sleeper too. But I would definitely I would say Akron. Okay, well, my sleeper pick is the Akron Zips as well, <laughs> gentlemen. I just think they, like I said, they're getting hot at the right time. A five-game winning streak. Before that, we were on a bit of a losing streak. If you get rid of that losing streak and even some of the silly losses at the beginning of the season when we were still trying to get our momentum in, we would be higher in the MAC. I don't love our first matchup against Buffalo because Buffalo is either going to show up really well or not show up at all. They've been very inconsistent this season. But if you're looking at a sleeper, you got to pick the Akron Zips. I do like them maybe getting an upset or two, maybe winning the whole thing. We'll get to that in a second. But before then, I want to get a pretender, a team that is in the mix of winning it all, but at the same time, they're just a pretender being there and they're not going to get the job done. Give me your pretender pick. Kent State. Biggest pretender there is. Oh, man. That I don't even care if it sounds biased. Kent State is a pretender. There is no question about it. They'll beat Miami. Is your contender going to be Akron? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But Kent State is a huge pretender. They'll they'll beat Miami, and then I hope they get bounced all the way back down seventy six back to Kent. Okay, Alex, give me your pretender. I'm going to go with Ohio. Okay. Um, they are just like they've lost to so many teams. Um, and you could say the same thing about Akron, but they've lost to a lot of teams that they shouldn't have lost to, especially very recently going into this tournament. Um, so I'm gonna go with Ohio Bobcats. Alex, I don't know if you saw my notes before the show or anything, but <laughs> we got the same mind here. My pretender is also the Ohio Bobcats. Look, they're on a three-game losing streak to end the regular season. They're playing soft right now. They have the same conference record as the Zips, which is really unfortunate because if we were able to win one more game in the conference or anything and take Ohio's seed, I would have loved that first-round matchup against Ball State way more than our current matchup against Buffalo. But it is what it is. We're ranked four. Ohio's ranked three. Um, But Ohio, they're two and four against Toledo, Akron, and Kent State this season. Those are some of the best three teams in the MAC right now. The MAC is a deep conference. Ohio's one of those teams in the mix. But Pretender, definitely, they might even lose to Ball State as, you know, one of the big upsets to start the tournament. But I do potentially see them winning that matchup and then losing to my Contender pick, which is going to be the Kent State Electric Chickens. I, I have to do it. I mean, they're... Oh, the stats don't lie. Uh, They're on a 12-game winning streak. I hate to say it, but they are disgusting, man. They are probably the biggest contender in the MAC. But it doesn't mean that my sleeper pick, the Akron Zips, will have a say about my contender pick. But before, so yeah, I did pick the Kent State Electric Chickens here. Um, They're on a 12-game winning streak to end the regular season. Those 12 games include games against Buffalo, Ohio, Toledo, and even Akron. So they're not only winning games, they're not only streaking, but they're winning games against the meat of the MAC conference. I think the only pick here is Kent State for contender. I hate doing it, but it's the right call. 
Um, Logan, who is your contender since you're so disgusted by my pick? Definitely not Kent State, that's for sure. Um, I'm going to go with Toledo. I think Toledo has played well consistently all season, and they have a really easy first-round matchup to continue their their uh, their play. And you just will never hear Kent State being a contender come out of my mouth ever. It'll never happen. <laughs> I can't blame you. I can't blame you. Alex? Logan said it right. Toledo is also okay, my contender. Um, and it's because exactly what you said. They've stayed consistent throughout this uh, season. They have lost to Kent State. Uh, they've lost twice to Kent State, I think. And that's rough. But with those losses out, they've just been able to stay very, very consistent, whereas Kent State has, I wouldn't say had a rocky road because recently they've been nonstop. But in the beginning of the season, they were um, they were nowhere near Toledo, and Toledo's always been able to stay on top. So I think they are Toledo's a contender. To all my friends that live down 76 that have been clowning me all season, all you Kent State Electric Chickens fans, you'll see the zips are coming. Austin Wilhoit specifically, I know you're listening, and I know you're going to lose to the zips. All right. Hopefully you get to rub that in. Come the tournament, uh, but let's go through some quick predictions before we head to break. Game number one, your guys' contender, Toledo against Central Michigan. Do we all like Toledo here? Blowout. Yep. All right. Fair enough. Game number two, Akron and Buffalo. I think this is going to be tight, but I do like the Zips here getting into the second round. How about you guys? I agree with that. I think it'll be tight, but Akron pulls away. Okay. Zips dub. Absolutely. So game three, we have Kent State and Miami. Yeah, see an early exit for my contender, or do you think the Kent State Miami upsets? Oh wow, I will be shocked if that happens. <laughs> Miami upsets twelve wow. game winning streak, upset by a Miami in the first round. No. Alex, who do you think? No, 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 no. Kent State's going to be okay. Miami. I also agree with you. Um, then we go to game number four: Ohio and Ball State. Who do you guys like on that one? Ohio. Okay, I like Ball State. Um, when their offense is hot. They have not lost this season when their offense is hot. And like I said, Ohio is my pretender. I think they've just been really inconsistent. So between um, my faith that Ball State can be hot on offense and that Ohio will continue to be inconsistent, I'm going to pick Ball State. I am also going to pick Ball State because Ohio was also my pretender. I don't like them right now, especially on that losing streak they're on. Ball State, they've been inconsistent, but so has Ohio. And I'm not going to pick the favorite in all four games. So I'm going to go Ball State taking on Kent State in the final in the semifinal round. So back up to the top, though, if Akron gets past Buffalo and Toledo gets past Central Michigan, we would get a Toledo and Akron matchup. Who do you guys like in that potential one? Close game. I think both teams fight to the end. And I, again, th- I think Toledo comes out on that one. Oh, man. You were being a homer a little bit ago, and now you're yeah. going with Toledo. That's like, fair. the way you picked Realign Kent State, I got to go realistically and pick Toledo. Okay. Alex? Atkins Zips men's basketball is going to beat Toledo. I agree with you, Alex. So I might be honing in my homer right now, but I do think that uh, Akron will beat Toledo. It's going to be close, but I think the Zips can get the job done. And then in the other game... Uh, for you, Logan, you picked Miami, so it would be Miami and Ohio. But for us, we picked um, Kent State and Ball State. So, I mean, 
Logan, go ahead. Who do you think advances between your matchup? Miami. So you think Miami beats Kent State and Ohio? I do. And plays Toledo in the championship? What? I think Miami goes all the way to the championship. <laughs> what? And then between Toledo... I'm actually going to change... I was thinking about it after that segment. I'm going to change my sleeper to Miami from Ohio. Okay. I think Miami makes it all the way. Fair enough. Um... Miami versus Toledo in your championship game, then. Who do you think wins that one? Toledo. Okay. So Miami's run. Miami's run ends in the championship. Okay. Alex, we we have Akron beating Toledo, going to the championship, and then we also have Kent State playing Ball State. Who do you like in that game to face Akron in the championship game? Kent State's going to win. And then puke. It's going to be a championship match between Akron and... And Kent State on Saturday night. My goodness, what a game that would be. We're 0-2 against them this year. It would be another chance at revenge. I asked Enrique. You guys heard it. You said yes if they were trying to get that Kent State matchup in the tournaments. That would be an epic finale to the MAC tournament. And I agree with you, the Akron Zips. Did you say the Akron Zips would beat Kent State? They're going to win. Okay, so yeah, I do agree with you that the Akron Zips will come out of the MAC tournament, the lone survivor, the winner, and they will not only beat Buffalo, they will not only beat the number one seed Toledo, but they will beat the number two seed in Kent State. I can't wait for this weekend for some action in Cleveland, Ohio. It's all going down. WZIP Sports will be your number one place for coverage. Definitely check out our Twitter page at WZIP Sports for coverage, not only on the MAC tournament, but everything else going on in the sports world. We're going to cut it to break, though. Once we come back, it'll be our last segment on today's show, and we'll talk about the latest in the NFL and also our very own Cleveland Browns. So stay locked in to 88.1. What's going on, everyone? We are back with the last segment of SBT, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. Joining me today are my analysts. First, the worst Cleveland sports fan there is, in my opinion, Logan Congrove. Shout out the boys at the Clingdom. We're going to fight here, Logan. We are. Oh, good. And Alex Henry. I like the Browns. (laughs) Thank you for that (laughs) comedic relief there, Alex. We're going to need it this segment for sure. Before we get into the Cleveland Browns and everything going on within the organization, let's talk about the NFL itself for a second. Um, The NFL Combine going on, and the wide receiver class especially has been showing out. Nine prospects ran the 40-yard dash in under 4.4 seconds, which is just insane. Baylor wide receiver Tyquan Thornton ran a 4.28 to break some records. Uh, Chris Olave ran a 4.39, and Garrett Wilson a 4.38. So even the OSU wide receiver is getting a lot of love there. Uh, do you guys have anything for me in terms of the wide receiver draft class? I would love the Browns to take Garrett Wilson. And I want Garrett Wilson, but I also wouldn't mind Chris Olave. Both of them had good comments about playing in Ohio. So either one works for me, but I just think Garrett Wilson fits the Browns scheme a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, I like Garrett Wilson. I, and you can say that he was second fiddle to Olave, um, and he was. Um, however, if you like look at like historical um, college football duos, you can look at guys like Jamar Chase, 
um, and Justin Jefferson, uh, Metcalf and A.J. Brown, OBJ, Jarvis Landry. And those second fiddle guys always just ended up doing really good in the NFL, just as good, if not better, than those other guys. And I think Garrett Wilson is that guy um, if Cleveland could land That's him. a really good take. Yeah, really good there. Um, honestly, I'm just excited to see this wide receiver class play as well as they're doing and performing as well as they're doing in the Combine. And it makes me really excited because the Cleveland Browns can definitely use this draft class to almost restructure their entire wide receiver room, which certainly seems like the path we're going to go through this offseason. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, One other takeaway for me, at least for the NFL Combine, was uh, Georgia defensive tackle Jordan Davis. Holy crap. I saw that. Holy crap. Um, So the man weighs 341 pounds. He has a defensive tackle, so of course he weighs that much. But he ran a 4.78 dash. I mean, the man is electric. He has the athleticism. I mean, that's definitely going to be a player that a lot of teams are going to have an eye on come the NFL draft, and I think the Browns should definitely be one of those teams as well. Any thoughts on Jordan Davis or anything else that might have come out of the NFL combine? That's like unprecedented that a dude that weighs that much can run that fast. That's absurd and impressive. Yeah. It really is. He's scary. He is very scary. And match that with Miles Garrett and potentially mm-hmm. Jadavion Clowney if we re-sign him. That'd be a scary defensive line. And then include JOK in the lineback, linebacker group. Um, that'd be a scary up front for the Browns defense. We will see what happens, though, with the NFL drafts. Um, next, we, you know, I feel like we talk about this subject every single week, but I also feel like every single week more and more comes out about it. Aaron Rodgers, there's been many, many reports this week. Uh, according to The Athletic, there is a widespread belief that he will return to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we already know that there are many trade offers on the table for the star quarterback. According to Adam Schefter, the Packers are awaiting the quarterback's decision before discussing these trades. And then according to Ian Rappaport, Rodgers is, quote, torn on where he wants to play in 2022. So just more news coming out on Aaron Rodgers. What do you guys make of everything that's coming out? I think he's a huge drama queen. It gets old. It really gets old. I get you're a star quarterback, but come on, man, just stop playing with everybody's feelings and their emotions and just pick somewhere to play. No one really cares unless you're a Packers fan. Just just pick where to play and Give us some different news to talk about because we're all tired of hearing your your dramatic stuff. I haven't thought of it that way, but I do kind of agree with you. It only only because I would have loved it because it's like the sweepstakes for Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? And that's a big storyline. So I do like the storyline, but right. we went through the same thing last season. Prior to this season, it was the same conversation. Is he going to leave? Is he going to stay? All that jazz, you know, the last dance with him and Devontae Adams, and now we're at the same exact point that we were before the season. So, in my opinion, I agree with you. It has gotten kind of old, and we'll see where he goes. Alex, any thoughts on the recent news surrounding Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I'll keep it short. It comes down to this. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need Green Bay. Green Bay needs Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers is an MVP. He's going to be able to go to any team pretty much, and make them a playoff contender. He has that level of um, quarterback excellence. So I personally wouldn't stay in Green Bay just because I don't think they help him enough. 
Um, but um, I, I do think he probably will end up staying in Green Bay. Yeah, I I agree with you there. And I think just last season is a really big bummer for him just because, you know, the one thing with the Packers is their defense has always kind of been their Achilles heel in a way or just not the greatest part of the team. And last season, you know, the defense definitely played pretty well. They stepped up in a big way. And then the offense, you know, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Devontae Adams. They were electric as well. And, you know, just come playoff time, it didn't work out for the Packers. So I'll go to you, Logan. Who do you think claims Aaron Rodgers or do you think he retires, stays in Green Bay? Where do you think he ends up? I think realistically all this drama ends in him just staying in Green Bay. But I could also, my hot take is I could see the Pittsburgh Steelers making a run at Aaron Rodgers, which I really, Mm. really hope does not happen, but I could see it. I see... But I also I could see it, but I also see the Steelers maybe looking into Malik Willis in the draft. So yeah, I could see both happening. Um, I think the Colts might be a better suitor for him, though. Okay, over the I think the Colts are one of those like sleeper teams that are in the sweepstakes for Aaron Rodgers. And now they don't have a quarterback because they said they're done with Carson Wentz. Yeah, which kind of surprising, but kind of makes sense. I mean, he wasn't great last right. year, but he at least got the Colts to where they were, just to lose the last game against the Jaguars, but. That's neither here nor there. For Aaron Rodgers, though, I do agree. I think he just stays in Green Bay. I think all this commotion and drama is for nothing. Um, I just hope he... I think he's a very down-to-earth man. And I feel like his big compliment... Like, he's compl- contemplating whether or not... Like, will he regret this decision in the future? Right. And, you know, like, with... We all make decisions in real life. And, you know, one of the things we debate to ourselves is, like... Okay, years down the line, am I going to regret going down this path instead of going down the other one? And for Aaron Rodgers, you know, I'm not a fan of his or anything, but I wish him the best, and I hope he doesn't make a decision that he will regret once his season or his career is over. Absolutely. So if he wants to stay with Green Bay, I hope he wants to stay with Green Bay with 100% of his heart and his mind going back to Wisconsin. If not, I don't want him to regret that decision and wish he went somewhere like the Cow or not the Cowboys, the uh, Broncos or something like that, where he could have sparked something new and m- maybe gotten into Super Bowl contention somewhere else. But that's my take on that. Um, another big thing in the NFL this week. So the Cowboys are likely to release Amari Cooper by the start of the new league year. Many teams eyeing Amari Cooper. And one of those teams include our very own Cleveland Browns. Are you guys surprised that Amari Cooper is likely going to be released? And um, what are you guys' thoughts on him potentially coming to Cleveland? I think it is extremely surprising because of that huge contract that he has. My thoughts on him potentially coming to Cleveland is there's other receivers out there that I'd be more interested in. I do think he's like he's an electric player, and he has talent for sure, but... If we're looking at it money-wise, because I, I don't think we're going to end up keeping Jarvis Landry, unfortunately. Love the guy, but I don't think we're going to end up keeping him. And he clears up $14 million in cap room. It's probably the only Brown stake we agree in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, personally, I'm, we're going to get to it later, so I won't, talk, I won't speak too much on it. But I think there's other receivers out there I'd be more interested in than Amari Cooper. Okay. Fair enough. Alex? I love Amari Cooper. I okay. I was a I've always been a Raiders fan, so I loved him when he was on the Raiders, and he's not a fit for the Cowboys, um, in their system. He does need to leave, 
um, and I think he would be a great fit for Cleveland, and I do think he would be a good replacement for Jarvis. Okay, fair enough. So the Browns are not only eyeing Amari Cooper, but as you said, Logan, there are many wide receivers out there in free agency, and this brings us to around the Rue, where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. So, as I said, lots of free agent wide receivers, and we're going to give you guys three options in the poll on Twitter between Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, and Mike Williams coming from the Chargers. Of those three players that are free agents, or might be free agents, I should say, of those three guys, who would you prefer to be on the Browns? Absolutely Chris Godwin. I love Chris Godwin. I think he's an exceptional football player, and he has championship experience. He's played under Tom Brady, and I I think he would fit our system very, very well. Alex, I'll go to you. Amari Cooper. You, man, you're really liking Amari Cooper here? Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I feel like we have Godwin receivers already, um, and with us getting rid of um, Odell, obviously, and uh, now Jarvis, we kind of... We kind of missed that role of our electric wide receivers, and uh, I think Amari Cooper uh, will fit that role good if we can get him. So I agree with you to a point, but I also went with Chris Godwin, like you did, Logan. Another Browns take that we agree in. This is crazy. We're getting there, Jake. This is crazy. We're getting there. Um, but no, I do think Chris That'll Godwin. Change. Yeah, well, very soon, actually. But Chris Godwin, I do think he's an electric player, and I think he fits that Jarvis Landry role really well. Um, unfortunately, with the free agent class with wide receivers in the draft class, the Browns have that ability to reconstruct their wide receiver room. And I think they are going to do that. So, unfortunately, I think Landry's future with the Cleveland Browns is going to be short-ended. And of the wide receivers I just listed, you know, I think Mike Williams might get a franchise tag with the Chargers. I think they might want to hold on to him. I agree. But he's still definitely an option that the Browns might look into. Amari Cooper... I like his skill set, and I do like his explosiveness, but we have seen some diva wide receiver tendencies out of him in the past, you know, complaining about not getting the ball in Dallas enough. And injuries. Right, and I don't want that presence in the Cleveland Browns locker room. We've had enough of that in years prior, so I'm a little bit hesitant to go after Amari Cooper, so I'm going to go with Chris Godwin. I love his playmaking ability, and I think him, along with QB1, Baker Mayfield, would be a great Ugh. pair in Cleveland. <laughs> Look at him laughing. Before we get back, before we get to Baker Mayfield, though, um, something else came out of the Browns this week. Uh, Kevin Stefanski will call plays for the Cleveland Browns next season. Head coach Kevin Stefanski. Um, Logan, you're nodding your head. Alex, you're kind of just sitting there. What are your guys' thoughts on this Terrible move? Terrible decision. Terrible decision. Someone else Why? needs to be focused on that. Why? He needs to focus on other things because he proved last year that he can't call plays Accurately, That is why Odell did not succeed in our system. And I am the biggest Odell hater on the planet, too. So okay. what about the year prior? The year prior? Yeah, what about that year? Luck. Luck. Get out of here. That Luck. was his first head coaching season. Luck. That was his we first. Had a great, we had a great team. We had great chemistry. And that was pure luck. I'll say this to be a little moderator. Um, I think Kevin Stefanski is a great playmaker. He is able to come up with a really good run offense for our team and plays that work. But to your point, Logan, 
just because he's a good playmaker yes. does not make him a good play caller. And this season, especially, proved that I did not think he was a good play caller, especially when it came to the run game, and especially when it came to having three tight ends on the field almost the whole game. One of them it, is the most overpaid tight end in the entire league. Another brown stake we agree with. And uh, it was... There were so many things that... There were so many plays I'd watch from the Browns, and I'd be like, man, that was smart, Kevin Stefanski. That was that was genius that you can come up with that to work it into our offense. He just didn't pick those plays Never. consistently enough. And uh, so I'll, I'll be the middle man. I think, I think Kevin Stefanski's a beautiful playmaker, not a good play caller. So a couple things on that. First, last season was a roller coaster for the Cleveland Browns. And there was a lot to take away. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to put a ton of judgment about our future resting only on last season. Because he also had a season before that that also featured Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and Kevin Stefanski. What about those playoffs, though? The playoffs? The the ones where he didn't make play calls versus Steelers. We beat the Steelers in the playoffs. And, and, And he didn't make the play calls. Well, that okay. Mm. He was in his basement. He was in his basement. You're really going to bring that up? Well, who got them there in the playoffs? I do love Kevin Stefanski. Who beat the Steelers the week prior? And that, and two seasons ago, I thought he was an excellent coach. However, I do think he was the coach of the year. He He wasn't just an excellent coach. He he was the best. He 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 was the best coach in the NFL. All I'm saying is, I don't think that he's the best play caller. And I, and I, I. I love him as a coach, and I want to keep him as a head coach at least this season and seasons prior maybe, but his play calling, you have to look at last year. And, yes, okay. it was a roller coaster, but looking at it last year, his play calling was it was bad. We had the best running back in the league, and he barely set foot on the field most games. How does that make any sense? Okay. I will be the first one to admit that last season, Kevin Stefanski's play calling was not great. At all. There were many times where I was even screaming at the TV, run the ball, and they passed it with an injured Baker Mayfield. Even playing against Baker Mayfield's injury. garbage. I mean, not even catering to an injured quarterback playing, but exposing him to the defense, which is absolutely not what you want to do. I'll be the first one to admit that last season, the play calling was terrible. And I do agree. But, like, the one person that knows that the play calling was terrible is Kevin Stefanski. That's fair. You're saying he's a great playmaker. He's also a great football mind, people. He has a great football mind. There's a reason why he's been in the NFL for so long. Before he was a head coach, he was with the Vikings as offensive coordinator. Now he's with us. First year as a head coach. First year, he leads the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs. I know he didn't coach the game we beat the Steelers in, but that doesn't matter. He coached the game we played against Kansas City. I know we lost that game, but it was still a great play-calling game. We it still was. played that it game was. great. And our our Achilles heel in that game was our defense. It had nothing to do with our offense and calling plays. It was all our defense there. That entire season was our defense was weak. We picked that up this season, and then injuries to our offense, injuries to Baker Mayfield, some whack play calling, all that led to the season that we had. I don't – we need stability. And I don't think we need to, after one season, after one whack season, need to blow everything up get competition for Baker, maybe get rid of Baker, get a new play caller, any of that. I don't think that it's the time for that right now. We'll see how this season goes. 
And Kevin Stefanski, he was a head coach of the year for a reason. He's a great play maker, like you said, Alex. He's also a great play caller. He showed that in his first season. Sure, there were lapses last year, but he was also playing with a broken team. Our offense was broken. Mm -hmm. A lot of that had to go with Kevin Stefanski play calling, but a lot of that had to go with the players as well and the culture and the toxic nature of our locker room as well with Odell drama, Jarvis drama, and everything else going on. So, yeah, absolutely. There was a lot going on last year, but I think Kevin Stefanski is the right man to call plays for next year with a healthy quarterback. Third with a healthy quarterback, a he healthy can, quarterback he can call plays. That is not Baker Mayfield. You're insane. Why? Baker Mayfield is not the guy. He's Why? just not. Why is he not He's the guy, not. Logan? Why is he, he not the un- guy? Because he underthrows everything. He goes out there and, listen, everybody's like, oh, he, he was just playing through his injury because he has heart. No, he was playing through it because he's dumb. He should have sat out and realized he was not helping the team in any way by being out there. And if he sat out and, and don't get me wrong, and we got the same record, you'd probably still be screaming that Baker Mayfield should be out of Cleveland. Yes, I still would. So even if you made the I right decision, I watched it live and in person in Pittsburgh. I watched it live and in person in it. Baker Mayfield Arizona. is average. At least bring somebody else in to push him because Case Why? Keenum's thirteen million dollar contract is not pushing Baker Mayfield. I think bring in someone like Mitch Trubisky. Put him. You want Mitchell Trubisky? Yes. Put him behind. Hot take. Put Mitch Trubisky behind Baker Mayfield. Are you hearing this, Cleveland Browns fans? This man wants Mitchell Trubisky behind as a backup behind Baker Mayfield. Okay, but if you want competition to push Baker Mayfield, you wouldn't expect that competition to at least get some playtime or at least no, maybe we'll play even start him. a game. Play him in the preseason, prove that he can play a little bit because he can play a little bit. He just was in a bad system in Chicago, and now he's been behind Josh Allen with Brian Dabble as his offensive coordinator. Bring him in, put him behind Baker Mayfield just to put some heat on him because I don't like Baker Mayfield, but I do agree with you. Stability is good. Stability is good in a franchise. But there comes a point where stability, you can't feel too comfortable as the quarterback. You just can't when you're playing like an average quarterback. So put someone like Mitchell Trubisky behind him, push him a little bit, and maybe now that he's supposedly healthy, he might be a little better because I can't watch the Baker Mayfield that we watched last season ever again. Well, the Baker Mayfield last season was also not Baker Mayfield at 100%. Right, and I never want to watch that again. Well, fair enough. I don't want to watch that again either because Baker Mayfield not at 100% is an average quarterback. That Christmas Day game with the Packers was the worst thing I've ever watched. I was so I was <laughs> screaming at Baker Mayfield, screaming. I understand the frustration. I do. But last season, we have to realize he was not at 100%. I know there's a lot of other things. You can blame some of the play calling as well. But the season before that, I don't know why Browns fans aren't remembering that season. That season was magical. We went to the playoffs. We won a game. Let's not act like the Steelers, though, and live on the past. Now it's the present, and our quarterback no. is bad. Fix it. I, I understand that. We're living on the present. We're living in the present, but the same people and factors right now were also back then in the past. A 100% healthy Baker Mayfield a intelligent Kevin Stefanski making so plays. you think Baker Mayfield was the biggest reason that we were successful that season? Not the biggest reason, but he was a part. I mean, he's the quarterback of the team. Is that not the most important I would role? say he was a big part of that, Is he uh, not the that most, season. Nick Chubb it was probably the biggest reason. I'll start and our offensive line. They've been incredible, no doubt. Even our defense this past season has been great. 
if we get the de- the offense that we had two years ago and the defense that we had this year, the Browns could easily be in the Super Bowl mix. Easily. And on I the offense, so. the number one person you look at on an offense is the quarterback. And Baker Mayfield had a role. He made throws when he needed to make throws. He did. And now, you know, last season he was injured. It happened. And it wasn't great. Now you get a 100% Baker Mayfield. You get a Kevin Stefanski who has the weapons. And after this offseason, because a lot of things could happen this offseason, with a maybe some more playmakers at wide receiver, dropping Hooper, because I do think we should drop Hooper and sign Joku. He's a waste. And Joku, that just came out a minute ago, I was going to say. And Joku, Browns will have to cash out for free agent tight end in New Deal to your or use franchise tag if they want to keep him, saying Njoku could get $10 million per year. That's per ESPN. I did just see that as well. I think we could franchise tag him maybe. I would do that. And just run with him there. Um, I think he needs to work on his hands just a little bit. I know mm-hmm. he's had less drops, but um, regardless, I think he's got to work on that a little bit. We've been screaming about Baker back and forth, Logan. I'll send it to Alex. Um, what do you think? Should we give Baker some competition? Should we... Roll with the punches with Baker. Is he just average? I think he's a top 10 quarterback. Oh, Go man. ahead. I'm getting stared down in the studio right now. But uh, I would say that Baker Mayfield has bigger problems than his labrum. Um, and that's his main character disease. And what I mean by main character disease is, I mean, he wants to be the main character in every aspect. I think of, you're absolutely wrong. Of his career. Oh, look at Oklahoma. I'm the one. He's past I, Oklahoma. Are you kidding? I, well, I'm just saying his whole career, he's always wanted to be that main character. He's not and the main that's character. Why he, our... That's why he played uh, throughout that last season is because he wanted to be the main character. Now, I love Baker Mayfield. I love everything he's done for Cleveland. I think that he was the biggest part in our season two years ago over Nick Chubb, actually. And I love Baker. If you're so high on Baker, Jake, let me ask. Which I am. If Baker's our quarterback, why not bring in some competition? Yeah. Because if Baker is why the, would you if give ba- a co- if he if is Baker our quarterback, is the main character that he is, and he is our franchise quarterback, then he could send out another. He could send out another Tyrod Taylor. That's what he did. Or he could send out another guy. Let him prove it. He prove can, you're the guy. Now, has he not? No. No. I mean, last season was tough, but I think he proved it two no. seasons ago. No. I think he did prove it. No. He's, he's, I'm just sick of the Cleveland Browns being terrible. They were good, and now they had one weird, very weird season, bad and now season. we want to blow I'd call it a bad, bad season okay. with a bad quarterback. Because he was injured. There was a lot bad of things going on. No, he's just bad. He's just bad. Let me tear your him. labrum, and you can go on the You field. know what? <laughs> His labrum didn't help him, but he was already average beforehand. He was garbage with or without oh his goodness. labrum. I wouldn't so say- he was garbage two seasons ago when we made the Yeah, because he's not the reason we made it. Oh, wow. And that's why I don't think he, he is the reason we made it, but I don't think he's the main character because our offense runs through the run game. I don't think Baker Mayfield is the main character, or else he would push against that and already be out of Cleveland by now. 
If he was the main character, he would want to be the central point of an offense with a passing attack. Oh, he is the main. Would be uh, elsewhere. He's, he's Mr. I'm deleting social media. He's Mr. Why I'm one. He's How's that being the main character? He's, he's, he he's wants Mr. the attention. I'm the com- How does he want I'm attention com- when he's getting he's on, off of social media? Because he tweeted that so everyone would be like, Every- oh, man, Baker Mayfield's getting off social media. He must be getting serious. No, he's just he's I an watch attention him throw, I watch him throw an interception, and then he's on every commercial afterwards. Yeah, I can't People, stand that. He wants to be He wants to be the main the character. Actor, That's Baker, why he played. On and off the field. If he was injured with a labrum, he would have sat. He would have sat because that's a serious injury. Drew Brees also suffered that same injury early in his career. He sat out, and then what Who happened? Cares? He became Who Drew cares? Brees. If he sat out, what would have happened? Case Keenum would have started. Yeah, would we have done any better? Yes, no, but he'd already uh, be done recovering. I'm not sure. Does it matter? It's the off season. So what? Train. He Get is out go- there and work. He is a- he's ahead of his recap schedule right now. I'm good sure he is. Good for him. I don't good, care. Not, why is this good for Baker? This should be good for the Cleveland Browns. No, because he's not going to be our quarterback. We are Cleveland Browns fans at heart, and Baker Mayfield is our quarterback, and we should hope that he succeeds. I want him to is succeed. It just, Baker Mayfield rehabbing I early can't. is not good news for Baker Mayfield. I can't watch that dude it's anymore. It's good news for the Cleveland Browns because our quarterback is getting healthy and is going to be a top 10 quarterback him next is. season, <laughs> and he will be the 2022. Top 10? He will be a top 10 quarterback. He is a top 10 quarterback when healthy. Oh, my. And he will be the 2022 NFL Comeback Player of the Year. I said it last week. I'm going to say it every single week. Guys, Any, we need to get off the air right now um, before we go any further because we could talk about this all day. Any last thoughts on today's show, gentlemen? <laughs> that, was, that was laughable. That was a good conversation there. I love Alex, Baker Mayfield. Top 10. I want him to stay. Um, but I, I think it's healthy uh, for any franchise, any sport, to bring in competition. Yeah. Um, and also, I am the king of UFC predictions. And, and go Heat, NBA Finals. So, and also, let's go Zips in the Mac. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Well, it was a fun show. Uh, UFC 272 was a bit of a disappointment, not only for my predictions, but I just thought it was a little lackluster. Um, hopefully the Cavs can turn things around and the MLB can figure out the lockout situation somehow, some way. Go Zips, Enrique, Ali Ali, Xavier Castaneda, John Gross, and company. Go do your job in Cleveland and bring home that MAC tournament trophy. We'll root you on, and we might be there this coming weekend. Stick to WZIP Sports for all your MAC coverage. Also go participate in Around the Rue for what wide receiver the Browns should target during the free agency and go Browns, go Baker Mayfield. They should coincide. I don't understand why they don't. Uh, but signing off, joining me were Logan Congrove, Alex Henry, and my name is Jake Murren. We will be back same time, same place, hopefully rooting for the Zips Mac Tournament basketball winners. Peace out.